Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on 24th of August 2011. For newcomers, help yourself to the free audios for sure. There's hundreds to choose from at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Remember those sites listed on the com site have transcripts for print-up as well of a lot of the talks in English. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu, which is also listed on the com site. And you can take your pick from the variety offered there. And remember, too, that you're the audience that bring me to you because I don't bring on uh, guests. They're generally, and this is how most hosts make their money, is, is to bring on guests who are really uh, there to advertise something uh, or specialists or whatever. And I don't go, go that route. That gives me more credence in a sense. I'm not, I don't have anyone to please, and I can say what I pretty well want to say. So it's up to you to keep me going by buying the books and discs I have at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can do so from the States by uh, using a personal check and how to do it is on the com site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can also use a, an international postal money order from the States or you can use PayPal to order uh, using the donation button on the com sites and follow it up with an email with name, address and order and I'll get it out to you. Now, how to do it is all on the site so you, you can't get lost. And across the world, you've got... Uh, Western Union, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal. Remember, straight donations are really, really welcome right now, too, because there's so little moving as, as well go down the tubes financially, and inflation uh, takes its toll. I know the prices in Canada for basic foods is almost three times sometimes, and up, definitely up in Sudbury, you're, and further north you go, uh, what you pay in the States just for food, definitely for meats and, and so on. Uh, and for veggies, really, when you look at the same thing, and all GM as well, imported from somewhere else, but uh, that's how bad things are getting now uh, as they bring in inflation. And whether your governments tell you or not, you're not only bailing out your own countries or banks. Uh, I hate even using the term your own countries anymore because we're obviously international. And your, your, your governments are also bailing out countries across the world, very quietly, mind you, because they don't want to put anything in writing and have you all complain about it. But it is happening nonetheless. Through various means, they were all set up at the United Nations at the end of World War II, in fact. <laughs> They're still working yet, those same organizations. So anyway, uh, what I try to do here is basically just chronicle uh, the rise and fall and the rise and fall and the rise and fall of different systems and empires or structures to the, the system as they change them into the next part, the next part, the next part, because we're not just falling in free fall here as we go through the big global change, because writers in the 70s and the 60s even, and even Rockefeller himself, talked about the big changes that would cause incredible chaos for the ordinary people as we went through these changes into the globals, the true global society, as he called it. So that's what we're going through right now. Uh, banks don't make these mistakes, and people who do oversight to the banks and government don't make mistakes. You don't have think tanks galore, layers of them, making these kind of mistakes. This was meant to happen. And they knew it was coming, and the banks were basically given free reign to plunder 
quite, quite, quite happily uh, and without worry from the governments to make this all happen. Because you couldn't make it all happen. Uh, or you had to have something to happen to get austerity measures through. They planned the coming austerity. So how do you do it? Well, crash. Oh, dear. The dollar's worth nothing. And we're going to start uh, rationing everything, basically. I mentioned this in 2001, how everything would come down to rationing of power, food, everything, just like wartime. And that's where they want to take us. But they won't lose out at the top because the big companies that own all of your energy will simply charge you 10 to 20 times more for a fraction of what you used to get. So they'll still be making lots of cash, you see. And they're authorized to do it. We've got to be a steer now, you understand. And we're getting taught how to do it. And there's a lot more to come. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and, you know, we can go on forever about trivia because the media gives us lots of trivia and oohs and ahs like wars and things to, to, to groan over or gloat over, depends which side you choose and people love to choose sides on things. And they try to, like a football game, they try to wrap you into the wars that they have, you know, and we're hammering them now and they talk just like sportscasters and, and people follow it just the same way too. But it's, it's, it's really all, it's a big show, and we're, going, we're living through, uh, as I say, an agenda. An agenda written probably long ago, but definitely published in the 90s with the New American Century, and it's followed up by Obama's uh, part in it too. He's another, they're all front people, of course, obviously, because we know who wrote up the, the whole agenda for the New American Century. They published on their own website at the time. But... Um, they had the, the countries listed that they wanted to take down and plunder. And remember Kissinger saying that, that eventually he'd, he'd rather, if possible, get all the, the separatist groups in the Middle East fighting each other. It could go on indefinitely. And, and that's the, when the big boys come in with their own little militaries and, and they take over the oil fields and pay off the tribal leaders. And the tribal leaders then keep everything. It's like paying protection money, basically. But first you've got to get them all fighting each other first. That's, that's the tact that he uh, said was the best way to go. And interesting enough, yesterday too, I noticed that um, they say that the U.S. will probably be in the middle in, in Afghanistan for another 24 years minimum. So I guess heroin's going to keep flooding through. It must be up in value as the dollar falls. Anyway. Everything is with money, plunder, and I've read the articles here too. It's just like repeats of the same old thing, isn't it? Because with, with Iraq, uh, it came out, of course, long after, only a few months ago, in fact, that uh, the big heads of the oil companies went to to London. They went to Tony Blair at the time when he was in. He was the cheerleader for the war. He, he got a good-sized chunk out of it too, mind you, afterwards. But anyway, and they divvied up the oil fields amongst them and putting their bids too. That means paying off the politicians, getting their cuts. And uh, sure enough, they were granted their, their patches, you see, with the oil fields. Some of the U.S. ones went in there. And I can remember at the time, even with Iraq, they said that they were bombing lots of the old refineries, the idea being that they would demolish them. And remember that two war is part of a demolition process. You forget that. And then they love to build renew, uh, anew, and they're using your tax money. It doesn't cost them anything for the companies that they hand it to. And that's what they did with a lot of refineries in Iraq. Uh, they bombed them, and this are like urban renewal to them. And 
then they built new ones, courtesy of the US, U.S. taxpayer, and then they gave them to the private companies that you all know so well. That's how government really works. And it's, it's not, again, I talked about psychopaths yesterday. You understand that's what gets to the top in any system. I don't care what they want to call it or many wonderful sounding terms and phrases about helping the people and all that stuff. It doesn't matter what side that they are. They're all psychopaths at the top. These are the only ones who get up there. They're, they're vicious. They get up there in a vicious manner. They, they claw their way up. They stab their way up. They sabotage on, on the way to get up over the, the bodies of those before them. That's psychopaths. That's someone who's, who's really motivated and he knows what he wants, which is power and status. So you understand that that's always pretty well been the way of it. I really don't believe, personally, uh, that any system has been free of the psychopath, except maybe the small, a small tribe somewhere. Because a small tribe can take on the psychopath when it gets too uppity, and they can throw him over a cliff. But once you have uh, governments, you see, with, stacked with psychopaths, who are literally, I mean, they are literally born liars. They're, they're the best liars in the world. And... Um, and they feel nothing for, the, for, for, for anything that they do, like Tony Blair said after the war in his interview, anything that you regret about anything, your whole time in office, he says, no, nothing. And that's a psychopathic uh, statement or, or response, you see. That's what they really, they really mean that. There's nothing they regret. And so I don't think you could ever have a clean, honest government, uh, even if you, uh, even if you got a few guys that were really honest uh, near the top, the ones beneath them would be just as corrupt, and they would run rings around them and keep them very naive, in fact. So the problem is, and I've said this for years, when if you want to vote for someone, you must ask what organizations they've already given their oaths to. If you don't do that, you're going to be screwed. Find out what they are. You can't have any, any secrecy here, because after all, you're putting your lives, basically, in, your, in their hands. And all your cash as well. And your families and everybody else you know. And then you've got to get on to do the, the test for the psychopathic, um, the, uh, basically level test. You've got to get them on these tests. Def- not the public, the politicians. I would go all the way down to the police, mind you, but I think it should be done, personally. Otherwise, uh, and the bankers too. They're loaning from, they shouldn't be loaning from bankers in the first place. But uh, it's a good test, it's, pre- it's pretty accurate, and um, it's been used for many, many years. So uh, if you, you keep giving your, your votes over to psychopaths uh, who are all, also backed by psychopaths, and they appoint more psychopaths, then you'll always be shafted, basically. That's how it works. That's how it works. Happens in any institution, even in, in big religious organizations too. Happens the same thing, the same characters get up to the top. Now, there's a one site one I put up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. I put a link to it and it's quite interesting. It's called Bank Implodometer, but the ones, the banks are ready to implode right now and the foreclosures that are either underway or, or they're, they're forthcoming shortly. That's quite interesting, a lot of good links coming from it, telling you who's who and what's going down, etc., etc. So I'll put this one there. I like the imploded part, banks imploded. I guess the money again goes to money heaven. This is the 21st century, and this is what they tell the public. Oh, it went to money heaven, we don't know where it went. And we're supposed to take that. Oh, and then keep the same system again, eh? <laughs> Chronology indeed, eh? Now, the CIA is not supposed to be snooping around inside its own territory, the U.S. 
It's supposed to be abroad. Same with MI6 in Britain, although they're liars again and psychopaths at the top. But if it's a good article here. It says, with CIA help, the New York Police Department moves covertly in Muslim areas. And it gives you a lead-in to it. And uh, it, then it talks about, uh, since the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001, NYPD has become the largest and most, the country's most aggressive domestic intelligence agency. A months-long investigation by the Associated Press has revealed that the NYPD operates far outside its borders and targets ethnic communities in ways that would run afoul of civil liberties rules if practiced by the federal government. Well, they don't bother with them. And it does so with unprecedented help from the CIA in a partnership that's blurred the bright line between foreign and domestic spying. This is neither the city council, which finances the department, nor the federal government, which contributes hundreds of millions of dollars each year, is told exactly what's going on. Uh, the department has dispatched teams of undercover officers known as rakers into minority neighborhoods as part of a human mapping program, according to officials directly involved in the program. They have monitored daily life in bookstores, bars, cafes, and nightclubs. Uh, police have also used informants known as mosque crawlers to monitor sermons, even when there's no evidence of wrongdoing. NYPD officials have scrutinized imams and gathered intelligence on cab drivers and food cart vendors, jobs often done by Muslims. Many of these operations were built with help from the CIA, which is prohibited from spying on Americans, but was instrumental in transforming the NYPD's intelligence units. So they're getting financial and equipment and, I guess, teaching as well, all for free, uh, all, all that help. So a veteran CIA officer, while still on the agency's payroll, was the architect of the NYPD's intelligence program. The CIA trained a police detective at the farm, they call it, the farm, the agency's spy school in Virginia, then returned him to New York where he put his new espionage skills to work inside the U.S. Well, the CIA is notorious for creating problems across the world and overthrowing people. So I guess they'll be using the same dirty tricks within the U.S. for their own own means as well. It says, and just last month, the CIA sent a, a senior officer to work as a clandestine operative inside police headquarters. It says, while expansion of the NYPD's intelligence unit has been well known, many details about its clandestine operations, including the depth of its CIA ties, have not previously been reported. The NYPD denied that it trolls ethnic neighborhoods and said it only follows leads. In a city that's repeatedly been targeted by terrorists, police make no apologies for pushing the envelope. So that's the excuse for it, you know, breaking all the laws. NYPD intelligence operations have disrupted terrorist plots and put several would-be killers in prison. But were they terrorists or just killers? You see, was this normal stuff? Well, everyday stuff. The New York Police Department is doing everything it can to make sure there's not another 9-11 here and that more innocent New Yorkers are not killed by terrorists, NYPD spokesman Paul Brown said. And we have nothing to apologize for in that regard. Now, that's a totalitarian statement. I hope you realize it. But by using, uh, saving the people, this has happened before in history many times. And they can do whatever they want. They, could, they are a law unto themselves. That's what they're telling you. You understand? But to help you. Yeah. But officials said they've also been careful to keep information about some programs out of court. Where a judge might take a different view. The NYPD considers even basic details such as the Intelligence Division's organization chart to be too sensitive to reveal in the court. 
One of the enduring questions of the past decade is whether being safe requires giving up some liberty and privacy. The focus of that debate has primarily been federal programs like wiretapping and indefinite detention. The question has received less attention in New York, where residents do not know for sure what, if anything, they have given up. So it gives you more information on it, too, and, and other ones, other programs that they're running through the NYPD, uh, such as aggressive programs, etc. And, uh, well, it's, it's just a law unto themselves, as I say. But they can, as, how can you work with the CIA? That literally, if, if they want something to happen, they make it happen, and then they blame someone else, and, and they overthrow people across the planet. Do you understand what you're dealing with here? You can't do this. If there's not enough terror, they'll create it. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix and talking about the CIA and the NYPD working together, getting funding equipment from the CIA. And the CIA has an incredible history of setting up uh, uh, systems to fail across the world, getting mobs to, to rise up, overthrow someone, and then put their own boy in. Uh, this is a consistent theme with the CIA. So when you when you end up with the dirty trick squads uh, working in these areas or cities, where, mind you, there's not just Muslims there, there's other people with, with uh, allegiances to other countries too, with their own cells there as well, uh, who would profit off it too uh, if they caused something to happen and blamed the Muslims. So it muddies the water so much you, you can't trust anything that you hear that comes out of it. Remember a few years ago in Russia uh, when uh, uh, there was a, they were fighting the Chechnyans at the time, and it was dying down. There wasn't, they weren't getting the public support in Russia to fight against the terrorists, uh, the, the Chechens. So the, uh, the police, the police actually caught a bunch of special forces and their upgraded um, KGB boys in the act of trying to blow up a set of apartment buildings that they're going to blame on the Chechens. And this, this is common dirty tricks technique. And you can allow the CIA that does the same thing to work inside your own country because then you're into a political agenda and they'll make it happen if they need it to happen. And it would benefit other groups as well, obviously. So, but this happened regardless. I guess nothing will happen about that. Just done and, and that'll be that. It's the new normal, you see. CIA is working inside uh, the U.S., but everything isn't lost, you know. At least some people are having fun through this time. It's good to hear how people are having fun. Uh, expensive massages, top-shelf vodka, and five-star hotels. The first lady is accused of spending $10 million in public money on her vacations. Well, what's a girl to do, eh? What's a girl to do when, that, when her husband's off and playing golf and, and stuff like that, eh? And trips down to Latin America, signing the free trade deals for NAFTA unification. I mean, what's she going to do, eh? So the, the Bama summer break on Martha's Vineyard has already been branded a PR disaster after the couple arrived four hours apart on separate government jets. So it's taking one, one each now, I guess. But according to new reports, this is the least of their extravagances. The White House sources to, get, to declaim the First Lady has spent $10 million of U.S. taxpayers' money on vacations alone in the past year. This is just the one year, eh? And it says... Um, 
branding her disting, her, her disgusting and, and, and vacation junkie. They called her a disgusting and a vacation junkie. I think it's more than just that. They say that the 47-year-old mother of two has been indulging in five-star hotels where she splashes out on expensive massages and alcohol. Well, that's what boredom drives you to, isn't it? The top source told the National Enquirer, it's disgusting Michelle has taken advantage of her privileged position while the most hardworking Americans can barely afford a week or two off work. When it's all added up, she spent more than $10 million in tax money on her vacations in this one year. And then they show you his and her jets and all the rest of it. So you understand nothing changes down through history because the psychopaths get to the top, you see. And uh, they have no regrets. They don't think like you or I. And they like to be uh, very lavish in their lifestyles and live like kings and queens. And they, they really can't understand the, why you'd object about it. They really can't understand that. Because they don't understand you. You understand the gap, the mental gap between the, the, the psychopathic rich and the poor is so incredibly wide now, they can't comprehend each other at all. At all. They need public relations companies to try and, and, and make you think that they actually understand. No, no, no. That, they're so far apart, they don't understand you at all. They can't understand how you live. They can't imagine how you live. And it says the first lady is believed to have taken 42 days of holiday in the past year, including a $375,000 break in Spain and a four-day ski trip to Vail, Colorado, where she spent $2,000 a night on a suite at the Sebastian Hotel. And the first family's nine-day stay in Martha's Vineyard is also proving costly, with rent off the Blue Heron Farm property alone costing an estimated $50,000 a week. The source continues, Michelle also likes drinking expensive booze during her trips. She favours martinis with top-shelf vodka and has a taste for rich sparking, sparkling wines. It's got sparkling wines here. It means sparkling, I guess, unless she's drinking some very volatile stuff. The vacations are totally uh, Michelle's idea. She's like a junkie. She can't schedule enough getaways, and she lives uh, from one to the next, all the while stocking, uh, sticking it to the hard-working Americans. But anyway, what's new? Eh? What's new? There's nothing new in this. And after all, you see, you can't expect these people to live like you. They have to meet foreign dignitaries, people with plush suits, 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand suits. They can't sit in dusty chairs and things like that, for goodness sake. How are they going to get business and trade done if your guests all fly in from abroad with their private armies and, and mafia and sit around you and get dirty? You can't have that. No, they've got to have special stuff and servants and things like that, you see. Oh, dear, dear, it's time the, the lowly poor understood these things. And then you go into this one here. It's similar to Britain's. And again, remember, you get psychopathic women as well. And generally married to the psychopathic guys, by the way. They've got an affinity for each other. They find each other. And Jackie Smith of Britain, who's been in the papers before, politician, for fiddling a lot of expenses, including lots, hundreds and hundreds of porno movies and sticking it to the taxpayer, uh, has been caught again. She's using prisoners now to paint up her £450,000 home. So, well, she's helping them, eh? It's giving them work experience. Yeah, that's what she said, eh? So, uh, former Home Secretary Jackie Smith has defended her use of two-day release prisoners to paint her £450,000 home when they should have been doing community work. Well, that's how a psychopath would rationalise it. For important people, you do her community, and I'm sure most of the community could fit into her big £450,000 home. It's so huge. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just going around the world, as we say, in our heads from the terrible media and uh, picking out bits here and there that only simply reinforce what you already know about the world in general and those that rule you. And yes, they do rule you, and uh, they intend to keep ruling you for an awful long time. Different faces, same peoples, basically, or relatives of them, or their, their children take over. Lots of dynasties involved now in politics, eh? There's all the dynasties. And even then, if you went to certain people, you'll find that they've got extended families, and, and they're on politics too, or in high bureaucratic positions, or appointees. Uh, it's the same in every country now. But I, I'm going to put one up tonight too, but algorithms. That Al Gore is everywhere, isn't he? It's, uh, algorithms, it says, um, it's, it's interesting to, to say that, that they're actually, they're using algorithms to actually run the net itself now and even to do bidding in Wall Street. And that they're out of control at times of the people who even design them. So this is a warning uh, from a guy who designed some of them, Kevin Slevin, I think. And, and he does text, a tech show. And he, he says that he warned that the mass that computers used to decide stuff was infiltrating every aspect of our lives. And that uh, some of them have already gotten out of control when they start. You know, on, for instance, for the books, uh, you, people order books on Amazon and so on. And it gives you an example where one book that was published, it says uh, it was The Making of a Fly, a book about the molecular biology of a fly from egg to fully-fledged insect. may have been a riveting read, but it was almost certainly it didn't deserve a price tag of $23.6 million. It says it hit that figure briefly on the site after the algorithms used by Amazon to set and update prices started to outbid each other. So here's algorithms outbidding each other. I kept wondering why they, they, they always use that, that kind of con. There's really real buyers there. It's, it's not it's algorithms. Once you put in a bid for it, up it goes. <laughs> Right away, you see. Anyway, it's, it shows you that, that uh, as I say, Wall Street's using them. And he says that uh, eventually these things are getting out of hand because they're basically almost writing themselves as they go on. Now, Rothschild family has been famous for an awful long time for buying up countries or running countries from behind the scenes or getting them to go to war, as they did for a couple of centuries in Britain and plunder and expand the empire for his companies and his friends' companies. And they've never out of it. They own most of India now already. They put the small farmers under. Thousands committed suicide. And then in went Rothschild, bought up for peanuts, as they always do, and uh, brought in the generally modified veggies and planting and seeds, etc. As his Rothschild is now in the too-big-to-fail plunge protection business, and it says, following the already failed attempt by captured Pan Am European regulars to stop the local bank f- friend or treatment by instituting a short-term selling ban, whose effectiveness, as we pointed out last, oh, about seven days, we find out just what Plan B is. Ah, yes, Rothschild is involved from the Wall Street Journal. And it gives you the Wall Street Journal link to in the article. And it tells you that he's in there basically backing up the, the economic union, central banks and everything. In other words, you, everybody owes their shirt to Rothschild. It's interesting, too, in the States, because Rothschild, through different um, companies they set up a long time ago, uh, are, are doing the same in the U.S., and they're, they're pretty guaranteed to continue the same. So until gov- one government in the world, I don't know where it will be, will attempt 
to create its own bank and, and they'll, they'll mint its own coin or, or print its own paper and then loan it out uh, directly, basically, and, and put it into society through big work projects as they love to do. Uh, until they do that, which will never happen because the, the, they'll take you to war against those guys if they ever try it. The banks run the world, understand. And um, it's part of the power structure and part of the agenda for the future, so they, they can't lose this, this power that they have. But anyway, uh, Rothschild literally is lending to the U.S. banks. He's lending to the U.S. government. He's also buying the U.S. government bonds. It's like a, a revolving you know, door thing, and, and this goes around in a circle from the same people to you. Only when he gets it back, he's, he's promised compound interest every so often. It's not bad, eh? And, and this is supposed to be their civilization. We call this 21st century civilization. There's nothing but cons. And then, of course, we have the Washington Post. It says, Task Force estimates $360 million. It's another, it's more and more millions from all the other millions that have lost. $360 million in contract money to the Taliban, criminals in Afghanistan. I guess by the criminals from from the U.S. that lent it to them or whatever. After examining hundreds of combat support and reconstruction contracts in Afghanistan, the U.S. military estimates $360 million has ended up in the hands of people the American-led coalition has spent nearly a decade battling the Taliban criminals and power brokers with ties to both. It's a way more than that because there was an article about six months ago where the same kind of thing was being done. And never mind all the money they lost through Halliburton and, and no one was keeping any account of billions. <laughs> and, uh, and we swallow this stuff and give them more. Eh? But what choice do you have? The government can do whatever it wants. It's about until a special task force assembled by General David Petraeus began its investigation last year, the coalition had little visibility into the connections many Afghan companies and their vast network of subcontractors had with insurgents and criminals, groups military officials call malign actors. Well, that's not true because already, again, six months ago or so, uh, did say that they were actually bribing the Taliban boys to, to make it safe passage for them to get through to certain places. So... They keep doing the same thing again. It's like perfidious England, as, as Bonaparte called London, basically, because they kept swapping enemies and, and alliances all through the wars. And the U.S. is doing the same. Now it's best part as well, Al-Qaeda. For a while, anyway. Because I know, I know the next part of the agenda, you see. And I mentioned yesterday, too, about the, 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 the big increase uh, and the laws coming down in the U.S. now with carbon and cutting back and, and increasing energy. Uh, Obama's passed laws there that allowed the energy companies to just jack up all their prices across the board, just like Canada's already done and Britain and elsewhere. And uh, there's an article here, it's getting ready for a wave of coal plant shutdown. So you understand, you cannot burn coal shortly. Even if that's all you had to heat yourself in the winter, You'll be arrested or probably killed if you deny them uh, access to your home to take away your stove. And if you say to them, well, I'll die of, of, of cold, they say, oh, no, sir, you know, you can always use an oil stove. That's, that's still authorized because you're buying oil from the big companies. That's okay. If you can't afford it, that, well, obviously you would start, just freeze to death. Yeah, and you will see this incidents in the papers eventually. I guarantee you the next two or three years where this has actually happened, and the cops will say to them, sorry, sir, that you have alternatives. When you ask them, well, you are telling your sentence meet your death, you know, by taking away that stove. Um, he, he will tell you, oh, there are alternatives there. 
if you can afford them. And if you can't, you'll start, you'll freeze to death. This will happen. There's nothing you, you, they're doing that you can't predict because they're telling you where they're going with it all. So anyway, uh, you can't burn the coal, but all the up and coming countries, Brazil, China, and, uh, India, and many others, that the UN has decided that they're going to match dollar for dollar for every dollar invested. Actually, sometimes 10 to 15, sometimes to 50 dollars to every dollar invested in those countries, guaranteeing they will make it, you see, using your tax money. That's awful nice of you too. They can burn coal for up to 20 years under the, 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 the agreement they signed, um, with the, the, the global societies under the United Nations. Uh, so, and, and by the way, also as written in the charters there too, that uh, they can renew them for another 20 years if they, if they haven't quite come up to what they expected to have by that time. It's not a bad deal, eh? But in all of you people, you see, and first world countries, as we're all plummeting like crazy, are supposed to do without it and, and go green, whatever that means. I guess, you know, maybe it's more like blue. You'll turn blue with the, with the cold. Uh, maybe you'll green afterwards once you're dead and you've, you've lain long enough. But uh, this is where it's all, all going because there's a war on the t- all on you uh, all the time. You understand it was declared a long time ago and you didn't know it. They didn't come out and tell you it. They gave you all the signs they were at war with you, but you didn't pick up on all the clues. You're always getting clues. Every day you get clues. There's a war on. Because government's going off in a different agenda than one anyone else has heard about. When they're, when they're up for an election, you never hear about these things. But the World Trade Organization allows these up-and-coming countries to build their coal plants. And that's where your tax money, your tax money is funding them to build them. And one of the biggest uh, organizations or, or companies in India has just bought over one in, in Australia. I mentioned that a few days back. And uh, they want to own everything, the part of Australia they want to own, where the mine is. They want to own the roads going to the ports, the shipping, and the whole lot that will take it over to India. And they're also going to sell a lot to, a lot to China, this Indian company, from that same Australian uh, area where the mines are. But the Australian miners can't use this themselves. It's, it's, it's because it's this band. Uh, well, the people have no champions. You understand? The only champions you're, you're, you're given are people who say all the right things, but it's generally right versus left. And the right versus left isn't nonsense because it's a dialectic and they end up on the same road. I was looking into a lot of left-wing groups and realizing they're all for the greening, they're all for this and, and saving the environment, the cost of humanity, etc. And, and so are the right-wing ones at the top as well. But that's the only choice they ever give you. See, they give you the choice. It's like pick a card. They always give you the cards to pick, don't they? Now, Richard Haas, who is the head of the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, is, uh, first off, he starts this article off from, again, an article that was said originally in the CFR, but it's now mainstream. I did not support the U.S. decision to intervene with military force in Libya. Uh, the evidence was not persuasive that a large-scale massacre or genocide was either likely or imminent. Now, if you read the, the Madeleine Albright papers and her tours across the world and Hillary Clinton's one, who are pushing for these wars, uh, you'll see, oh, they were giving it big, oh, thousands have been massacred by their own governments. But he's a guy contradicting this, because he, he knows it's nonsense. You know. But it's good propaganda for television. But anyway, as his policies are other than uh, military intervention, were never given a full chance. 
It was anything but apparent that military intervention would success, uh, succeed at a level of costs warranted by limited American interests. But why are we here? Uh, or, or we are here, anyways. So what should the U.S. do in Libya going forward? American policymakers face a similar foreign policy conundrum, namely that there's a large gap between the professed U.S. goals and the means it is prepared to devote to realizing them. The goals are ambitious, project, protecting the Libyan people and bringing about a success, successor regime. How can you protect them when they've already blown up thousands from the air? Don't you, don't you get fed up hearing this guff every day? I do. I get fed up with the liars that put the stuff out. And Hass himself is like another psychopath that got to the top. But they give it the same guff all the time. We see the videos of people getting blown up and towns getting blown up. The, the, the civilians getting blown up. And they, but we're there to protect them, right? The goals are ambitious, protecting the Libyan people and bringing about a successor regime, a puppet government, just to be preferable to what now exists. But the means are limited as the president is clearly looking to America's partners and NATO to assume the major military role and has ruled out the introduction of American ground forces. So he goes on to say basically that America should put in ground forces and, uh, and go on from there. You understand they've already divvied up the country before they went in and France wants a, a couple of wells this time, that's why it was given the privilege of dropping the first bombs and uh, and Britain's in there too and all the usual ones. I, I say Britain and France, etc., but these are international companies. In fact, you, your countries are international corporations. Do you understand that? I don't think you do. I really don't think you do. Everyone's always talking in the past. And the USDA signs an MOU, isn't that wonderful language, with Rockefeller's Council and Foundations to exploit rural America. I'll put this up too. On Friday, Agricultural Secretary Tom Vilsack announced that the USDA has signed an agreement with the Council on Foundations. So that's run, the whole Council on Foundations is run by Rockefeller. To provide new sources of capital, new job opportunities, workforce investment strategies, and last not least, but the heart of it, identification of additional resources. The group will work with Obama's newly created Rural Council, that's Agenda 21 group, which Vilsack also chairs to implement UN Agenda 21, a 300-page, 40-chapter uh, soft law policy that came out at the United Nations Conference on Environment and Development in Brazil in 1992. Actually, it was done through the Earth Charter. Maurice Strong uh, was the guy who sat there and chaired it, and uh, Rockefeller drafted it up himself, though. It's a private company, remember, a private organization that we've all to go along with because various people signed it. And it's an incredible agenda. And I've got uh, a link, too, to the rural agenda or the implement of Union Agenda 21. Uh, you can read through the whole lot of it if you want to for those early. They've got the ability to still plow through dry stuff. Though couched in eco-friendly motives, Agenda 21 will severely limit water, electricity and transportation, even deny human access to our most treasured wilderness areas, just like Australia is just finding out now. It would monitor all lands and people. No one would be free from the watchful eye of the new global tracking and information system, wrote Barrett Kios in 1998. Patrick Wood believes that today's smart grids are doing just that and gives an excellent 40-minute speech here. That's a link there as well. So anyway... It says, ironically, the Secretary made the announcement while hosting a White House rural forum at the Iowa State Fair. The same day, news broke out how the USDA lied to farmers and ranchers about federal drought insurance. 
Vilsack has refused to pay up during the worst drought in U.S. history. The Council on Foundations formed in 1949 and was joined by the Rockefellers in 1958. has since morphed into a think tank drawing from the government and private sector. It's funded mainly by corporations and foundations, so initially it's, it's non-governmental, including Ford, Lilly and General Mills to provide a wide variety of services primarily for endowed grant-making organizations through the U.S. and in foreign countries. You should look up some of the lists of put-down activist organizations. And, and do a search for it. I, I couldn't go through the whole list just for Canada. There's thousands of them, all paid by the foundations. These front groups, they're, they're the Earth Army. It was mentioned back in the, the, the 80s. They create an Earth Army. This is the uh, army of, of um, protesters and people who, who change for the planned, or, or push for the planned changes. That the government's just only too happy to hear because it's all part of their agenda too. They work together. But it appears to Joe Blow that's sitting watching television that uh, citizens are, are want this thing or that thing to come into to being and the government will do it for them. No, they're, they're not. They're organized. Organized under one system, really. Although they have thousands of names. And they're paid by private foundations. Big salaries at the top with pension schemes and the whole lot. They're not little charity tin can rattlers. So I'll put this link down as well. And also a good PDF to uh, it's to do with building America's future. Uh, it's, it's called Falling Apart and Falling Behind Transportation Infrastructure Report 2011. Everybody knows the roads are falling apart. And this is the government's uh, plan of how they're going to deal with things for the future. And I'll put this up tonight too as a good link. Back with more after this break. Hi, we're back, cutting through the Matrix, and there's Darlene hanging on the line there from Colorado. Are you there, Darlene? Yes, I am. How are you? Not too bad at all. Well, I wanted to talk to you about two things. One of them was uh, psychopaths. Yeah. Um, I was uh, always suspected psychopathocracy or whatever, but when I attended a self-defense class is when I was really convinced uh, that people, not just rapists and, and murderers, but there there are a group of people that have some sort of a brain disorder that makes them what I consider a reasonable facsimile of a human. They're not mm-hmm. really human because they're capable of doing great harm to sentient beings, whether it's you know, insects or yeah, you, you'll find that in the history of the young psychopath, uh, they, they they love to take apart animals and insects and quite coldly, matter of factly, there's no emotion involved at all. Well, um, what I watched video after video after video after video after video of these people um, being interviewed, and they just had no concept of the harm that they were doing. No. It, it, you know, it didn't touch them. Suffering didn't touch them. But 
Um, the other thing about their sexual behavior is that they don't get the same uh, feeling from a hug or a smile. That doesn't affect them either. No. So they go to great lengths to get a charge, so to speak. So it's like um, they're not operating under the same. So that conditioning, I guess, uh, with the self-defense was to say, look, fight for your life if you run into one of these people. Because mm-hmm. they don't value your life. Well, they don't. They'll use you, certainly. Uh, and psychopaths, the, the cleverer ones, uh, don't get into trouble so much. Uh, they, they, they copy the emotions and the actions of those around them in certain situations, for grieving, that type of thing. So they know to come up and put on that. They're very good actors. They feel nothing, but they're, they'll fool you. And, uh, and that's how they go through life. But you're quite right. So they, they use everybody. And in fact, one of the skills is the ability to manipulate all those around them to do their work for them, uh, for themselves. And even the ones who will end up doing the work will, will praise the guy they're doing it for. They, they come to admire this guy. They can't quite tell why. But it's, it's the power that he, he uses so easily to manipulate them, uh, that really, that, that it kind of gets to them and turns them on. Yeah. Well, to me, there's a, like two classes of this type of criminal. Mm-hmm. The psychopath really doesn't have any emotion. They can imitate emotion, mm-hmm. but the sociopath does have emotion, and the only emotion that they really have is anger. Um, so the sociopaths are the psychophants that emulate yeah. the psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the ones that are recruited to do these nefarious things yeah. uh, to just get more power. I mean, it's not money, it's not good food, it's not good sex, it's just more power. Power. Oh, yeah. And what they love to do, too, if they get caught, is to, because now that they're caught, they don't have to act, they love to boast how they, they conned everybody. They love to tell you how they did it all, because their ego, they must save their ego at all, all costs, regardless of what they've done. And they're proud of themselves, actually. And you cannot, there's no treatment for them whatsoever. They're very dangerous people. As the world should have found out, and off in ancient times to the present, as they slaughter, get us to slaughter for them across the planet. But thanks for calling. From Hamish and myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.